welcome to CigarCast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Crown Cigars and Ales here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Demon. I'm joined as I am every week by Mr. Shane Reeves. It was pointed out to me last week by one of our listeners that I have been smoking a lot of bad cigars on the show this year. So are you intent to so, rectify that this week? Yes, you are. So you, you cannot. So when I come in here, I looked in the humidor and I said, only a Padron will do. Yeah. I Pe- almost grabbed a Padron this week. Well, I picked up a Padron 1964. Seems like a good time to smoke one. Seems like the right cigar for the moment. And they are correct. I couldn't handle another bad cigar because I've had a, I've had a streak of smoking bad cigars on the show. You have done it to yourself. Oh yeah, I blame no one but myself. <laughs> I, actually, I think I'm heroically taking the bullet for other cigar smokers I, everywhere. I think that's exactly what's happening. That's that's really what I think more people should give me credit. It is for. rare for you to get a cigar that nice on a Tuesday. This will be a nice treat for you. Yeah, it is. It's different. And all, but I, I am smoking a Padron 1964. I, I skipped through my usual frivolity at the front because I'm ready to light this thing. Yeah, I get it. So tell people what you're smoking so I can get this thing lit. I'm smoking a cigar that, my, if memory serves, we'll both be smoking sevens tonight. This is a cigar that I remember liking very, very much. Um, this is the Norteño from Drew Estate Herrera Esteli. I... Do not smoke this cigar very often, mostly because most shops have it in kind of weird sizes that I run across, or I'm just, I, I tend to stay away from the Drew Estate section of the humidor just because there's not a whole lot for me there. And uh, I was I did a couple laps of the humidor one I got here this afternoon, and, and I was like, you know, I, I, think, I think tonight's a night. Well, that's one of those cigars that can fly under the radar for you. Um. You are right. It does seem like that comes in a lot of sizes, a bunch of different Vitolas. And I've had those in Churchill. I've had those in 770s. I've just had those all over the place. So it does seem like that has a wider variety of of size. There is a part of me that wonders if it's a situation where no two cigar shops within 600 miles of one another can carry the same size. (laughs) Because it, it's inevitably, here they'll have the 6x60. Down the road, they'll have nothing but the Lancero. And then next door to that, they'll have Toro. And it's Well, so Willie Herrera that blends that likes a small ring-gauge cigar. And I think that's what you're seeing happen is shops, they want to sell more of those cigars, but they have trouble selling them. Because people are like me. Oh, that's just enough to make me want a cigar. Yeah. So I had two choices tonight. I had this one, which is the five and a half by 54. And I forget what they call the name of this one. Um, Or I had the option of the Robusto Grande. Or the option of the Toro. Well, their definition of a Toro is a six by 50. And I'm sorry, but a Toro is bigger around than a 50 ring gauge. It just is. So I went with the the five and a half by fifty four. Sorry, everyone. I, my my brain was baking inside my Santa cap. I had to remove my Santa cap in such a way as not to catch it on fire. You and <laughs> you and your bride alike are are both very festive tonight. Well, it's so you know we're recording before poker, and I know next week we're probably going to have a thin crowd for poker. So I thought if we were going to do the dress, and I, and I love Christmas. I have had so much fun the past couple of weeks sitting on our back porch, smoking cigars, playing poker on the iPads, listening to Christmas songs. Yeah. I, you know, it's no secret I love Christmas. I just enjoy it. And, 
And here's the deal. What's wrong with people that get grumpy around Christmas? It costs nothing to love Christmas. This is one of the cheapest ways to improve the quality of your life. Especially when, you know, 10% of all households in the country have done some sort of decoration on the outside of their house. Just drive around and look at the lights. It's free. Yeah, it's the cheapest thing you can do to just increase your quality of life. It's a simple, simple thing to make life. Just decide... You know, because I didn't always love Christmas. Right. I, I had to, you know, when I found out Santa wasn't real, it crushed me and all, but I, I got in my car and drove Wait, off. what? Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you well, see, we had cross jokes that time <laughs> and all, but, um, you know, it crushed me and it took me several, several years before I finally decided to like Christmas again. Yeah. And all, it was one of those things is, you know, just part of life. Right. But once you realize it costs nothing to love Christmas and enjoy it, you can have a lot of fun with yeah. it. Yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a huge Christmas fan as well. And I, I do understand for a lot of people, there's a lot of stress that comes with this time of year uh, because of you know, family commitments and things like that. What, and does it sneak up on them? It's the well, same time. You know, it's people no, that but, say. No, but you, you underestimate the power that people's family members have on their lives and it's it's not always as easy as just being prepared for it I've, no I refuse to give anybody that kind of power over my life whether they're well, in my family or not and, and that's well and good for you but you are not the you are not the the gold standard of an American person and there sure are people out there <laughs> there are people out there whose circumstances are different and so I, I can I can certainly understand as for me and my family, yeah, it's really easy to get excited about this time of year and to enjoy ourselves. Well, life is so simple. Go out, kill it, drag it in, and enjoy it. It's that easy. It really don't have to be more complex than that. It re- you really don't have to give up so much of your power to that. It's, it can be that easy. Take, for instance, Ostos Fernandez, Quesada. He's opening his own cigar factory in the Dominican Republic. So this is the um, 36-year-old opened a small factory in Dominican Republic. Is this uh, Casada's son or yes. uncle? Uncle. He he spent decades working for his uncle Manuel Maniolo Casada, and his new factory is called Tobacco Tobacco La Isla. So is that island of tobacco? Yeah. Okay. Fourteen hundred square foot. Okay, folks. Fourteen hundred square foot small. Um, the shop we're setting in is probably 1,400 square foot, if not a little bigger. If, if not, uh, just slightly bigger. Yeah. Um, you know, the, an average cigar shop's probably going to be in that. So we're not talking about a big factory here. Right. And uh, that's okay. you got to start small. Yeah. And uh, But he's really starting to produce these new cigars. He's ready to go out on his own. It's interesting that it says he used to work at a label printing factory. And all. He's going to have 20 employees, 10 bunchers, and 10 rollers when the factory gets up to capacity. So I'm, I'm interested to see what he produces. This seems to me like the kind of cigar I would enjoy smoking. And I'm not a giant Casada fan. I, I, I'm not either. I, you know, I do really enjoy the Oktoberfest that comes out every year. Or at least, I don't know if it has the last couple of years, but... Uh, it, it used to be an annual release, and I was always a big fan of that. Not a huge fan of their 
main production line stuff, but I will definitely be interested to see what comes out of this because I, yeah, I like the idea. You know, this reminds me a lot of you know. You said, I don't want to turn sixty and having done this and without having done this, it's now or never. And I, I it reminds me a lot of Carlito Fuente's story in creating the Opus, and I like that. Well, and he didn't. He didn't use give no excuses. He didn't let nothing stand in his way. He just decided, I'm going to open a cigar shop, and he's opening it, or I'm going to open a cigar factory, and he's opening a cigar factory. So I, I doff my hat to this gentleman, to Oso Fernandez Quesada. Okay, here's a question. Is, you reckon the Fernandez is any relationship to AJ? I doubt it. That's a fairly common last name. Yeah, I guess so. It's kind of like Smith in America. And all, but and it's his middle name, which is usually mother's maiden name, is yeah. kind of how that naming convention works most of the time. Well, so it's that time of year. All the lists, all the top twenty-five, top ten, top fifty, top one thousands, all the lists—not just of cigars, but of everything. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it seems like everything needs a list of top of what's the tops of the year, and it always happens at this time of year. Yeah, and all pure procrastination on the part of the industries. You think they should do a year in review review in August? What? Hey, if your year wants to run from August to August, that would work. Mm-hmm. And all, it, would, it would seem a little less rushed. It would seem a little like you're pushing. You know. Like it's Thanksgiving Day and you're just finished off the turkey and you look across the table and they say, hey, got your top 25 cigars ready? <laughs> Dead gummit. <laughs> so, yeah. Turn to the end of the year. Yeah, I kind of I like this. I, like, I would like the August top 25. Or just do a mid-year review in July. Okay. And I'll just, just catch us a mid-year review in July. Although I will say a lot of the cigars on this list that we're looking at, or at least a couple that I'm aware of, wouldn't have been out if they had done that. Well, so we're looking at Cigar Journal's list here. And we, we reference Cigar Journal a lot. They do a great job of their website. I, I really enjoy them. So I felt like we should at least touch on their list because I think it does have some credibility because of the quality they present all year. Mm-hmm. That being said, <laughs> it's kind of like when you say no disrespect, but <laughs> that being said, I've only smoked two of the cigars in the top ten and only liked one of them. Yeah. And, I mean, of the top ten, how many have you actually smoked and liked? How uh, many have you, A, smoked and B, liked? Two smoked, one liked. So, same thing as me. Yeah. And I bet it's the same, too. You smoked the Mexican Experiment and the La Aurora Nicaraguan? Yep. And the La Aurora is the one I liked. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't care for the Mexican Experiment. I didn't either. The, the ME2 or the ME1, but the... So, number one cigar of the year, according to Cigar Journal, is the Placencia Alma Fuerte Robustus. And I know Placencia has such a following, and they're a, a, a really big name in the industry, but I've just never been a huge fan. Do you think they're regional? Do you think it's semi-regional? Because, I mean, you don't see a lot of... I've been in no. cigar shops all over the southeast. Yeah, and you just don't see a lot of it. No, you don't see a lot of Placencias. In fact, the only place I know in town where you can get it is Casa. And that, I think, has less to do... Um, or has more to do with the fact that they've got that corporate buying power versus the regionality of the mom and pops. Yeah, I think that, so Placencia, number two is the Perdomo Estate Selection Vintage Imperial Sun Grown. I want to try this. PSV. 
I'd like to give that a shot. Yeah. And uh, I, w- I would definitely. As we talked about before, you know, the Perdomo Sungrown, that's what they do. Yeah. I mean, that is their bread and butter. And then you got the obligatory Davidoff. Blah, blah, um, blah. Yeah, AJ Fernandez, Belisartes, Maduro, Lancero. Now, I have had the Belisartes. I have too, and in I the liked regular, it. And really enjoyed it. I can't imagine that a Lancero would make it any better. No, I can't either. Um, Do you reckon they that the Belisartes came out last year and they just released the Lancero size this year and there's that's why they're doing that on the list? Uh, yes. So the Belisartes came out in 2016 originally. So... Yeah, I think I think they're claiming just this Lancero special edition as it as being a 2019 release. The La Aurora anniversary Nicaragua again another cigar I hadn't seen. Yeah, 107 anniversary Nicaragua. I would smoke it. I think I would enjoy it. Wait, what? That's the Nicaragua. That's no. the La Aurora. Oh wait, yeah. See, this it's is... it's because of the way they've laid this list yes. out. I know. Okay, yeah. Can we stop and complain about that for a minute? Yeah. So th- <clears throat> the way they have laid out the the web page that we're we're getting this from is they've got the description of the cigar, but then they put the picture of the cigar underneath the description, right above the the title of the next one on the list and it makes it really difficult to keep track of where you're on where you are on the list yeah because i'm looking at the daniel marshall by carlos fuente and reading la aurora 107 anniversary right and so i'm assuming i hadn't smoked that cigar that's the cigar i've smoked the daniel marshall i've never smoked right so who is daniel marshall like I don't understand everything he puts his name on gets this huge he's the one that did the the quasar cutter and ashtray and humidor and all that stuff like that was his design so that obviously came with a huge price tag this cigar like I I don't even know why am I supposed to know this guy's name is he famous for being famous I he must so, be it must just be one of those things um, you know, number eight, Tatawahe Mexican Experiment Two Churchill. I'm just not in fact, I'm not impressed by the Tatawahe and all uh, the Mexican experiments. Neither one of those. And the, number nine, this is the one that I know rubbed you raw. Rocky Patel's Cigar Smoking World Championship <laughs> Mareva. <laughs> I, you know, I didn't look at it closely enough. I'm just such not a Rocky fan that I just completely glassed over that one. And didn't even realize that it was the Cigar Smoking World Championship special blend. Well, you see, that I thought what I—that's the main reason I did this list—is I really wanted to see you get riled up about well, the fact that it was in the top ten. If it make, do you think it'll make the top ten of aficionados list? No way. Oh, Rocky spends okay. Rocky it's spends true. a lot of money with aficionado. I just I find it so hard to believe that. That this cigar is is worth num- being number nine. I that just find gim- that that a gimmick cigar could be good. Yeah. Well, if it, and if it's a really good cigar, why do you need the gimmick? Can we just state for the fact that if it's a great cigar, you really shouldn't need the cigar smoking world championship backing it, and all. So I'm I'm kind of like you. I'm I'm kind of I, I something something rotten. <laughs> <laughs> this all. way seemed. Yeah, something rotten in the state of Denmark. Uh, the Dias Glorious, number 11. Absolutely think it should have been higher. I do too. Well, and this is what's interesting for me with this list is the fact that, you know, you, we were talking about both of us have only smoked two in the top 10, one of which was, was all we liked. You get deeper into the list, and there's a bunch that I've smoked, and a lot of which I liked. 
Well, but it is interesting because it kind of brings you back there. You know, we do a podcast every week about cigars. And we don't just wander in here and poke around the humidor and drag a cigar out and smoke it. We are always seeking something. How many times do you get handed a cigar and you say, I'm saving that one for the podcast? Mm-hmm. Or do you find a cigar somewhere special and you buy two just so that you can save it for the podcast? I mean, right. Unless it's a Charter Oak, you know, Habano, which you refuse to get and bring to me. But, I mean, other than that cigar, <laughs> it just seems like... But, um, you know, and there's some interesting... The Southern Draw made number 23, break up Jacob's Ladder Brimstone. Yeah. I think we're going to see a few more Southern Draw pop up in these lists this year. I think so, too. Uh, Alec Bradley Project 40. Did not care for it at all. I didn't either. I, uh, just... Just did did nothing. And they've got this a strength 6 of 10. No, no way. No. Absolutely not. No, I mean, it just it's a cheap cigar for the sake of a cheap cigar. Mm-hmm. And there's not a lot more can be said. You know, and I'll tell you, the Cinco de Cotas, I'm not a fan of the Cinco de Cotas, the Hoya. And I love Hoya stuff. You would think I would be a fan of this cigar, but I've had two or three of them and have never been impressed. I did like it. I mean, I didn't love it, but I did think it was a good cigar. Is it number 21? I don't know. Um, For the amount of money, I get... If or this, 20. If, God, I did it again. Yeah. If this cigar was a $12 cigar, I would probably like it better. I will give you that, absolutely. It, it is held back by its price point. Yeah, I think the price point on this cigar is an attempt to make it seem a little better than it actually is. So, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of... I don't know. I'm, I'm dubious about that. And all. Now, the Oscar Villarde, Villadares Wild Hunter, I've seen this cigar, and I, it always seemed too gimmicky for me to it want to looks, pick it up and smoke. It looks gimmicky. It looks like it was a cigar that was marketed and designed with you in mind. Right. It's like, they okay, we want a cigar for hunters. Yeah. And so this is what we're going to, to do. Because, you know, I have a tradition. When I kill a deer... And I get out of the stand with my cigar I'm going to smoke for the deer. I clip a little of the cigar off and sprinkle the tobacco on the hooves of the deer. It's a Native American tradition. You make a little sacrifice of your tobacco to the spirit of the animal that you've taken. It's, it's just So if they made this cigar and it had like a dotted line that you just twist it off and <laughs> sprinkle over your kill, then, then that would be real gimmicky, but that would be valid to me. Uh. But, it's funny, you've got a belt, you're living on a bell curve. Oh, I am, man. But now here's the thing it being 22 on this list means I will probably smoke one next year. If I had just seen it and said gimmick cigar and moved on with my life. Yeah. But seeing it on this list, and I guess that is one of the benefits of these kind of lists. I know it is for me, you know, was it two years ago there was an Alec Bradley? No, there was an EP Carrillo that got Cigar of the Year from Aficionado. And it's not a cigar I would have gone after. But I smoked it because of that, and it was good. It wasn't Cigar of the Year, but it was good. It was a good cigar. Is the Majestic, the Encore Majestic, is that what it was? I think so. Yeah. And, uh, and they had them, you know, they popped up all around that time, and I, I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I'm kind of like you. But that, to me, that's the benefit of these lists, is it lets you see, okay, maybe some of these cigars that normally you've been walking by in the humidor might have a little more validity than you first thought. Yeah. And I'll, speaking of walking by in the humidor, <laughs> this is from Patch.com, Farmington, Massachusetts. A woman breaks into cigar shops, steals $290 worth of stuff. Okay. 
So there's a couple of problems with this story. Number one, she walked into an unlocked door. Does that count as breaking in? Yes. How does that count as breaking in? If the door is unlocked, why, why are you not it, breaking in? Uh, unlawful entry is considered or is burglary, which is just shortened to breaking in. in but okay, so if she just walked in, turned around, and walked back out, she'd have still been convicted of breaking in. She probably wouldn't have been, but she could have been. Okay, and uh, and the, here's the other thing. $300 in merchandise. Let me tell you something. You almost have to be trying yeah. to steal that little. Yeah, to steal that little. To I mean, because, you know, if, you know, okay. So let's say. A box of the cigar that you're smoking right now costs more than that. Oh, definitely. <laughs> well, okay. So let's say, and I'm going to create a scenario for you that alleviates us both of moral and ethical guilt. All right. Um, let's say it's a zombie apocalypse. Okay. And the cigar shops are, of course, abandoned. And you walk into one, you fight through zombie-infested territory, and you walk into a cigar shop. How quick could you pick up $1,000 worth of cigars to take out with you? Oh, before I even had to fire first shot at the zombie that followed me in. Right. Before, before you had to kill the cashier, you could have $1,000 in your backpack Absolutely. worth of cigars. Yeah. And I'm like you. I think it, she actually had to work harder to only spend now, but... Is this a deal where the shop is embarrassed and maybe $300 is the limit for charges? Maybe she picked up a little bit more than that and they knocked it down so because they left the door unlocked? I don't know. It could be. It, yeah, it could be a, a, an insurance situation. And that, that's where it becomes really funny to look at this from, from an insurance perspective because in a lot of cases, them leaving the door unlocked will eliminate their coverage from activating. It's still against the law, <laughs> but yeah. there's a big difference yeah. between what insurance will cover and it, what the law yeah, it's says. it's still against the law, but we're not going to cover you. That, yeah. that sounds like an insurance speak. <laughs> You've got to get out of that industry. It's got to be damaging the, your soul. The contracts are very specifically worded. It's, it's not anything wrong with the insurance company's fault. They told you when you signed the dotted line exactly what they were going to cover. <laughs> to lock your doors. Yeah. <laughs> It's not that hard. Lock the doors. Um, it does say that the first thing she went for was a, a pipe tobacco, and I think she just probably didn't know enough about tobacco to realize that that's the cheapest thing in there. Right. It's in a fancy glass container. It looks pretty. Okay, this must be worth a lot. It's worth about a nickel. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's just this is the this is an example of an uneducated thief breaking into a cigar shop that was left open for yeah, her. Gone are the days of the wet bandits casing the joint for weeks ahead of a job to make sure they know what they're getting into. Yeah, yeah. You cannot even get quality help in the criminal <laughs> empire anymore. And all the quality of henchmen has just gone down dramatically. All right, so we're going to step away for a break. When we come back, we have a... Um, Zycar new cutter <laughs> that looks vaguely familiar to me. I can't quite put my finger on it, at least not in public. Um, <laughs> kind of reminiscent of something else. I don't know what, but I, I want one all of a sudden. <laughs> and we're going to talk about what makes a good cigar shop. So stay tuned. Shane here with this week's Cigar Under 8. This week, I want to talk about the Punch Knuckle Buster. This just came out this year. I still haven't had one. This is Punch's low cost. I got them in the humidor there. You'll have to get you one. Um, this is Punch's budget cigar. 
they brought this out. You know, we've had a lot of budget cigars come out this year, and this was Punch's entry into that arena. It's about five and a quarter a stick. Yeah, and just an outstanding cigar for that money. And uh, it's a medium cigar, um, probably medium medium at the bottom end of that. Okay. And uh, it's not a real strong cigar, but it's just a great cigar. I mean, it's a good cigar to just sit and enjoy and relax. When you're fishing, when you're playing golf, where these cigars under eight always lean in, this does it well. All right. This is a cigar that does it well. This is a Honduran origin cigar. It's got the binder is Habano Nicaraguan, and the filler is Honduran Nicaraguan. It's wrapped in a rich Nicaraguan Habano wrapper leaf. Just a great cigar. So until next week, try the Punch Knuckle Buster. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. This is one of your hosts, Shane, sitting across from the the man who wrote the book How to Murder an Otter with an Oboe, Mr. Trey Dedman. <laughs> That's an old George Carlin joke. Okay. I, w- I wanted to do aardvark, how to kill an aardvark with a um, accordion, but I couldn't do it because I didn't look up my joke right before we started like gotcha. I usually do, so I had to go back to Otter with an Oboe. But I was listening to George Carlin, Carlin and he said something about that the other day. He was so funny. There'll never be a, you know, some comedians have such a unique voice. Yeah. That there was. And, not, and not the physical register of their voice, but the actual, like, the, the spirit of the things that they talk about being kind of their voice. Yeah, so, I mean, he, there'll never be another George Carlin. You never had to worry about anybody stealing George Carlin's jokes because they were his. They were, they were so him, nobody else could yeah. tell them. He was his jokes, and his jokes were him. Yeah, it was it was just so unique. You know, it's it's Richard Pryor. So many people have tried to do what Richard Pryor did and, and couldn't. And it can't it can't be done. You know, it's funny when George Carlin died. It was I want to say two thousand eight. Oh no, way before that. Way before that. I'm, no, g- I'm, gonna, I'm gonna make you look this up because I'm pretty sure it was either oh eight or oh nine. Oh no, I bet it was in the nineties because it was he he's been dead a long time. Oh. I stand corrected, June 22nd, 2008. Okay. The reason I know that is because that was the first moment that I had as a parent where I went, wait a minute, it's my responsibility to teach all of the things that went before me. So I'm a huge fan of the Stones and a lot of rock music from the 60s and 70s, and I learned that from my dad. And, that, and so my daughter was born May of 08. And so, you know, she's only about a month old. And I hear the news that Carlin died. And I, it just occurred to me, probably not going to be exposing my daughter to Carlin until she's about 50. But, uh, <laughs> but it just became really apparent to me that, like, oh, it's, it's my responsibility to pass this down to the next generation comedy or music or you know actors work well and developing you know developing a sense of humor is so important in in living a good life mm. in enjoying life and really feeling like you have you know there's people that go through life never having the ability to tell a joke never having the ability to understand a joke right you know we one of my buddy's wife that hunts with us 
I'll tell a joke on the way down there, and she'll want me to explain it. And Just crickets. If you explain a joke, a joke dies. Right. If you want to kill a joke, try to explain it. You either get it or you don't. Right. And, uh, and that's that's just part of of what you have to develop. So I understand what you're saying by how you have to develop that portion of your life. And all, uh, but speaking of living my best life, and uh, okay, so these articles come up every week. Mm-hmm. Every week when I start searching for cigar topics, it's this new small town American dream. Somebody opening the cigar shop they've always dreamed of. Right. And I'll, um, this, is, this one is from ChesterCounty.com, the Chester County Press. Living my best cigar life. Now, that's a good name for a cigar lounge. Mm-hmm. I really like that. It's a new addition to Kennett Square, and it's 116 West Main Street for those of you playing the at-home game. Where is this? Where, Chester County what? Chester County, um, I Pennsylvania, would, Massachusetts. Illinois, um, but it don't matter. It's not important to this. This is a story of a man that has decided to open a cigar shop. So what I wanted to talk about tonight, by way of leading in this way, what are the basics a cigar shop must have? Now, let's talk about the nuts and bolts. I'm not talking about creating an environment where you can have a drink with a cigar of a lady. And I'm not, I'm not talking about creating an environment where you can bring your daughter in for a cigar like we seen that guy do last week. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm not talking about creating that. I'm not talking about the that feature so much as let's talk about the nuts and bolts. Gotcha. Of creating a cigar lounge. Ventilation. I think it starts there. I don't. I think it starts with location. I think it's like all real estate. Location, well, location, location. If you only got two cigars being smoked in there at a time because they can't drive to the middle of nowhere to smoke them. I was I was basing this on the assumption of the cigar shop is in like is opening. I I would have assumed I in my mind that had already been taken okay. care of. Yeah, there's a difference in our minds. It's a yeah. difference in our brains and the and the way it goes because I'm looking at it from a realtor's perspective. If somebody says I want to open a cigar shop, where should I put it? Mm-hmm. And uh, that's where I'm looking for and, and that is that is definitely the first question. So, one... But most people already kind of have it in mind because it's about giving back to their hometown or, or reinvesting in, you know, and, and bringing something to their community. There's a lot of that. There's also a lot of guys that, you know, this is a profitable industry. There, there, can be. This, this can be a very, you know, a cigar shop can be very lucrative. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think, so first I think let's talk location. You've got to have disposable income within driving distance. Yeah. You know, within 10 minutes of everywhere around you. You can't do it in the low rent district. And you've got to have about a quarter million people in and around, you know, and within an hour on either side of you. Yeah. You need to, you need to be in a big enough city. You can't do it in the middle of nowhere. Right. You've got to have a big enough city that you can do it. You've got to have parking. You know, one of the cigar shops, I won't mention their name because I'm not going to embarrass them, that they opened recently in my hometown. Man, I would hate to park my truck there to go into that shop. I, I would think I'd come out and my truck would be up on blocks. Right. Because the, the front of the building faces a good side of town, but the back of the building where the parking is... Not so good part yeah, of town. Yeah, is, is definitely where you could have problems. So you got to think about your parking. you got to think about the security of your people coming in and out. You've got to think about 
location-wise. Well, and that's true not just of cigar shops, but of restaurants, too. That is one of my pet peeves is when you, you know, you google a restaurant and you it's a new place in town you're all excited to try it and you get to, and you and and you read all the reviews and no one mentions the fact that the nearest parking is a pay lot six miles away one of the finest restaurants in nashville demos closed their nashville location and i'll guarantee you it was l- largely due to parking yeah because well, i would have foot traffic over by where they were i would have went there and ate twice as often as i did if you could have parked if i could have parked for less than 20 bucks yeah but by the time you drop a twenty on parking, and then you got to, then you go in and eat. Yeah, I no. mean you just you're not no better off. Yeah, do not overlook that. So you got to have parking. So let's talk lounge. You have to have a zoned lounge system. And uh, you know, there's the place down the street here that a lot of people don't like. They come here solely because, even though that place, I could argue, probably has a better humidor than we do here. They do. And, uh, I mean, just calling a spade a spade. They have a better humidor than what we've got right here. But more people come up here because they have one lounge area and everybody gets packed in there like tuna fish. Yep. And there's no good way to sit there and enjoy a cigar. If if you and I want to come here and sit down and discuss a, a issue of grave importance, we can very comfortably. Right. And not have to worry about interrupting somebody else's conversation, being drowned out by the TV and anything like that. Yeah, that is something that I think is really... And when I, and when I think about the cigar shops that I've been a regular at or I've at least just liked more than others, that is something they do all have in common. Yeah, but, you know, good zone lounge. Yeah, I think, you know, the one I just recently designed helped design. And uh, we had two lounge areas, we had a bar area, and then we had a high top table section. Mm -hmm. And I think that's pretty much, and that wasn't a huge building, that was a 1700 square foot building, that was not a huge building, and we were still able to figure out how to put an 8 by 24 humidor in there and break those zones out where people could have private conversations. Yeah, I think it's important. And I I think that's one of the physics that you really have to overcome. Now, when you let's walk in the door, don't put your cigars in cabinets. Right. Yeah, if we've you talked can't about build this. A humidor, you can't build a cigar shop. No, it, it, you will. It, you you just can't be successful running a cigar shop with cabinet humidors instead of a built-in walk-in. The shop with the bad parking. Their cigars are actually in cabinets, and they have a room of cabinets. For what they spent on cabinets, they could have lined the walls of that room with cedar and put in a humidification right. system for 20 to bu- 22 bucks more. Right. And had a quality area. And all. Uh, that's So you cannot do cabinetry. And uh, I absolutely despise, I think, less of a it, cigar shop. It just looks like such an afterthought. Like, I want it's, to, it's as if I want to start a business, location, location, location. This is it. This is the building. Okay, I've got the lease signed. I'm starting the build out. What kind of business? Yeah, <laughs> it's as if they did it in that order. Yeah, it's it's kind of reverse order. Um, lockers, lockers, when ran properly, can be a great revenue generator. When ran improperly, can be a giant pain in the neck. Yeah, and and regardless of how well you can how well you operate them, they can be a pain in the neck. One of the things I think. Uh, Something I've witnessed uh, from a uh, previous shop uh, that I worked at 
was had a a locker case like we do here with the 25 lockers or whatever it got full okay bought another set of lockers it almost immediately sold out okay bought another set of no no run a waiting list so here's my question on lockers in Shane's cigars and more um if I'm going to run a cigar shop, my locker members are going to get the... They're going to pay a little more for a locker. They're going to pay 150 a month for a locker. But... That's high. Well, but follow my thought here. I'm going to give them $150 a month of in-store credit. Yeah. And I'll, because the chances are they're going to spend more than that $150 a month, which is only costing me $75 a right. month. And I'll, and it makes them come away from feeling they it makes them feel like their locker is well worth it. Yeah, and it's funny that, at least in my experience, is a fairly Nashville thing. Uh, the idea of getting store credit in in the amount of or close to what you pay for the locker in Atlanta, in Dallas, in any of the other cities I've lived in, no one operated their lockers that way, but they do here it, certain shops in the area, at least they used to. So, um, so I think that's, in, it's an interesting concept. Well, it's, so what it does is it takes and gets rid of your slow months. Mm-hmm. If you've got 50 lockers at $150 a locker running and all, so your guaranteed income of I was, oh, all, I was you hoping a, you would do the math while no. I was talking about it. <laughs> and uh, what's fifty about seventy five hundred bucks? So you've got seventy five hundred dollars a month guaranteed coming in, right? And all uh, that makes it very appealing. That yeah. you know that okay, so that covers your power bill. So that cover you know so take seventy five hundred a month, slash it in half, and I'll say you're at thirty seven fifty. You're covering cleaning. You're covering your you know a lot of your bills get covered by your lockers at that point. Yeah. And uh, to me, that seems like a great, you know, way to run it. That's the way I would run lockers in my shop. Now, I might run them that way for six months and find out that the model doesn't work, but I think it would. If somebody out there has ran them that way, Facebook us. I'd love to know if it worked. And uh, um, leather seating is a must. You've got to create a comfortable environment. Yeah, but I think, I think comfort goes further than just leather. You know, we've got a couple of chairs in here, like that section over there, for example, that the chairs are too big. They're overstuffed. I, they push me out of them. They are yeah. so uncomfortable. I don't want to sit in them. And if I come in and that's all that's left, oftentimes I'll turn around and I'll, I'll go, I'll smoke and drive around and smoke in my car or something like that. They are that uncomfortable to me. Well, you look at some of the guys in here right now, the really tall guys are doing fine. But some of the guys that are not as tall, their feet are dangling off the end of the chairs. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a particularly short guy. I'm 5'9". I'm about average. And, and I do. I struggle for my feet to touch the ground in those chairs. Yeah, my wife. Her feet never touch the ground in those chairs. Yeah. And also, yeah, you get you need good mid-sized chairs. Um, I'm not a fan of recliners. No, I don't think that has a place. Number one, it's one more thing to break. You know, if, if shop lighters have taught us anything, it's the fact that people don't respect things that they don't have to pay for, you know, throwing them around. And it's the same with recliners. They're mechanical devices, which means inevitably they will break at some point. And with that much use, you just basically speed that up and it makes it that much harder to maintain your shop because maintenance is a huge one. 
staying ahead of maintenance. Oh, yeah. It's, it's so these are the physics of owning a cigar shop. The spirit of a cigar shop can be anything. And here's my question. If you get the physics right, does the spirit come, or do you have to do you have to give attention to both aspects in order to create a great shop? I think it's a chicken and egg situation because if somebody is interested in the physics of a shop so much that they create the perfect shop, perfect location, perfect selection in the humidor, perfect seating setup. It's the perfect shop. If they've taken the time and attention to detail to curate that, the likelihood that they're also the kind of person that creates a good uh, environment is pretty strong as well. Yeah, and we've just covered a couple of the of the basics uh-huh. and all. And I, I don't want to. I don't think we need to get any more depth into it than that because every you are going to have to listen to your clientele. You are going to have to listen to your customers, but you're going to have to have zoned seating, a good humidor, keep it stocked, yeah. keep on top of it, keep on top of what your customers want. Right. Rotate and, that inventory. The yeah. worst thing that is a stale humidor. Oh, yeah. Yeah, stale humidor will cause people to quit coming to a shop quicker than anything mm-hmm. at all. But since we're talking about form and function. Form, you- yeah. So this is funny. I saw this today. And was it last week we were talking about the fact that you're just not a car guy? Right. And I am. And I saw this. uh, See, you got the easy one to pronounce earlier. Rauschvernugen. It's a (laughs) German company um, that have announced they're releasing a new cigar. Now, my question is this. When it comes to all things mechanical, in particular cars, Germans make the best cars on the planet. They make really good watches. They make very good firearms. They make very good mechanical pieces. Oh, Boker Knives, German, Soldier Steel, yeah. hard to beat. Yeah. Hen and Rooster? If oh, it yeah. requires engineering, precision, anything like that, I'm going, I'm going German. I don't, I feel like you want to give cigars to the Italians. Yeah, they're a little more fly by night, laissez faire. Well, you well, know, that's French, but it's it's so funny because when we watch wrestling at my house, they walk by and breathe on the Spanish announce table and it falls apart. But you body slam a dude on the German announce table and he's going out on a stretcher, man. Right. <laughs> we we always laugh about how hard it is to break the German announce table. At re- <laughs> Next time you're watching wrestling and somebody tries to get slammed, you'll notice they slam them through the Mexican, the French, the the Italian. What all they have those the tables. UN ringside now. Oh, yeah. yeah, there's all these. It's an international sport, man. And, uh, and but they stay away from the German table because when you hit that German table, man. It is bad. That's funny. But yeah, I, I just, so it's, and this is, it's, it's very German. Um, it's called the NN, which stands for no. n- non-named. 
It, it it has no name, no box, no. So it's very much like we don't need any of this. We are just making this a gas. It is in one size, in one size only. Churchill seven by forty eight. If you, you don't smoke, like it, if you don't like it, you will not smoke it. No, this is a this is a very German philosophy it, it on really this is. cigar. I don't think so. Here's the thing that I like though. It's made in the Dominican. It's not made. I mean, obviously, it couldn't be made in Cuba because they own. Because it's communist But this means that there's a chance That we could get it And I would love to smoke it I'm not expecting to love it But I do want to try it Okay, it's made in the Tobacco Lacero William Ventura factory I've not had a lot of good cigars Come out of that factory I couldn't name The Ventura cigars are just not my cup of tea They're not mine either but But German (laughs) <laughs> There's a part of me that but can't I'll, get I'll, over the I'll fact. T- I'll tell you what. I bet this sucker draws well. I bet you it does. <laughs> I bet you couldn't blow it up with a wily Coyote stick of dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing. I've just been so trained to to assume quality follows German, and so I I will absolutely try and get my hands on one of these. Yeah, I'll be interested when if they come out. I'll, when I see them, I will definitely pick up one or two just to, for no other reason to smoke on the podcast <laughs> and all. But it's interesting because I do think you have to, you do have to have a little bit of the soul of an artist to make a good cigar. I think you do. We've talked about it before. It is an art artisanal product. It, there is an art to it. It's more than just the science of growing and fermenting. There is a certain skilled art form associated with it. And I'm not saying that there are great German artists out there. I'm certain of it. Mm-hmm. And I'll, if, if if 99 Luft Balloons has taught us nothing else, <laughs> there are German artists out there. But um, it's going to be interesting. I'm going to be inter- This is a cigar I am actually excited to get and smoke. I will seek this cigar out. Yeah. And uh, they're supposed to they're supposed to come out in a couple of months, and when they do, I, I'm definitely gonna I'll, I'll even go online if I have to I will, to get yeah. one. There co- there's, there's only five thousand cigars being made, and they come in boxes of twenty five. So, uh, but at eight ninety a stick, that's pretty good. Yeah, if you, if you like that size, which is the only size you're getting, right? And I'll. So speaking of form, <laughs> I still don't. I mean, I. I guess I do see it, but I just, that would not have been the first place I went. So we're sitting here, um, sitting here on Saturday night playing, watching football. And Alabama's ahead by 1,050 points. You know, they're, at this point, they're playing the cheerleaders because everybody else has had a chance to play. And we're, so the, so the game's not that exciting. So we're doing what we always do when the game's not that exciting. We're talking about cigars. And I handed Jonathan, so this article is from Half Wheel. Zycar, Jacob and Company announce a $150,000 cigar cutter. And this is the XI Dueling Dragons Chasing Flaming Pearl cigar cutter. I, I, I can't... Uh, there's something about this that seems familiar to me. There's something anatomically about this particular cutter. And I'm not going to give, a, give it I would, away. I mean, if you were cross-eyed and drunk, maybe. Well, okay, the guy that, that said... Probably was cross-eyed yeah, he, he, and he drunk. was at least half drunk. But he, we, I, show, I passed the my phone over to show this cigar cutter to Jonathan here, and the guy said, are y'all looking at dirty pictures? 
So this is a it's a is it, is it the is it the dainty little pearl that just sits right atop the opening that's really what's doing it for you? I, I guess that's it. I guess it's the <laughs> position of the pearl and all, and it definitely, while folded out, looks a little more um, anatomically specific <laughs> than perhaps when it's folded together. Have have you have you run this by anybody who owns one of these? Uh, no, but I will right after the show and, and find out because I'd be interested to get their perspective. But, well, okay, but and I'm not talking about owning that, the cutter. Just FYI, people, people that own one of these don't spend as much time staring at them as those of us that don't own one of those. <laughs> well, they, so I would argue that it, that I would need to collect ten non-owners and let them take a look at it to get a more. Hey, Jay Beaver walked in here. If anybody would be able to see that in this cutter, it would be JB. Okay, well then we'll ask him. After the show, but go to Half Wheel and look at it and see if you can. This is the cigar cast mystery of the week. See if you can figure out what this cigar cutter seems to remind you of when you take a look at it this week. And also, one last article. I want to hit one more thing. A little bit of legislative news. California's flavored tobacco ban likely delayed until 2022 as ballot measure reaches signature threshold. Okay, I don't, I don't spend a lot of time praising California. <laughs> no, that is very true. <laughs> and all, but they do have legislation in place where if something's coming out you don't agree with, you may gather enough signatures to get it on a referendum. Yeah. And that's what they've done is they have gathered the um, the signatures involved to go against the California flavored tobacco ban. And uh, now it's going to be on the ballot in 2022, so it's not going to get an effect. It's not going to go in effect for at least two years. Their definition is flavored cigars or a premium cigar that's at least $24. Who in the world would pay 24 bucks for an acid? Yeah. And uh, I would. I, I love the leather rose. I wouldn't pay $24 for the leather rose. Mm-mm. And all, but as of yesterday, they had received one million nineteen thousand six hundred and ten signatures. That's pretty impressive. The ballot measure only needed six hundred and twenty-three thousand two hundred twelve. That's a so they almost number. doubled it. Yeah, so they've almost doubled doubled it to get it on the ballot to, for I'm, people to vote. I'm sure it's based on a percentage of the population. I'm sure there's some arbitrary, you know, but, a quarter of a percent of the population of the state has to say. And, and they did the math, and it came out to 623,212. So this is going to be on the ballot. Do you want flavored cigars or not? It was answered for me, right? It was 5% of the number of votes cast in the last gubernatorial election. That's okay. how they came up with that number. So that's how they came up with that number, and they surpassed that by almost double. Mm-hmm. So there are still people that care about flavored cigars in California. Yeah. That actually wanted to put this on a referendum. And I love the referendum. I wish we would use it more. I think every tax increase a state should do should have to go through a referendum. At the very least, property tax and city taxes, I think, should. And if they can't make a convincing enough case to me that I will vote to pay more taxes, then they need to learn to live off what I'm giving them. Yeah. I mean, I really think that that's the way it should work. Well, especially, you know, I get, and I don't want to turn the podcast too far to this this table, but I, I get so upset when I hear all of these governors and all of these city officials talk about how they've, how the city and the government have been able to weather the storm of COVID without having to furlough a single employee. 
meanwhile, the citizens who actually pay for all of those salaries that you just found something for them to do in the interim, they're going hungry. They're facing eviction. Their tax burden didn't go down. Or like in Nashville, we have a we have a tornado, and then we have COVID, and then they raise property tax thirty three percent. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's kind of ridiculous. If that had been on, what would have been the chance that they would have ever got a thirty three percent increase passed on a referendum in no, Tennessee? Absolutely not. It was it was because it was the wrong way to go about it. Do property taxes in in Davidson County need to go up? Probably because we've grown and we can't sustain the infrastructure with it as it stands. Whether we're but to just take 20 years of stagnant taxes and just lump, say, that bill is due, I think is just nuts. Yeah, I, would have, I, I really would love to see the referendum as a premise show up a lot more. Yeah, so I will congratulate California and all. People are going to get out and people are going to get to vote on it. And two years from now, the world's probably going to look a lot different. You think how much two years can change things? Two yeah. years from now, you know, we Biden will have been in for two years. We'll see what he's done. And we've got, you know, everything that's happening on the federal level with the FDA will probably have an influence on this. It'll probably set precedent, assuming anything moves forward within the next two years, which is still yet to be seen. But very, very exciting news. I think we'll close the show on a happy note there. Yeah. That California has done something right. And all. you don't hear Shane close a show saying that very often. Maybe the only time for the next year. I think year. that's a first. Till August may be the only time you hear me say that. Yeah. But, um, so give me a ranking. Is Nortenio as good as you remember it? No, it's not. Um, I'm kind of wishing I went with the 6x50. I'm wondering if it's the size. But, I mean, it's a 6 so it's still good. It's just not blow my socks off like I remember. Has the cigar changed or has your palate changed? It's probably my palate. Because, you know, you look at things like the Africa, the Charter Oak. You look at the, it's cigars that have changed the bar. Mm-hmm. You know, there's cigars that have came out this year, that, and we're going to review a lot of them in the um, Cigar Cast, the Stogie Awards. There's a lot of cigars come out that have kind of changed the bar. For what we call for what we call cigars, yeah, and I and I think that's kind of I I don't think it's the blend that's changed. I think my palate has changed in terms of you know the flavors that I'm looking for, the complexity and things like that. Like I said, it's still a very very good cigar, and it's no longer priced so far above everything else that it's hard to get because that was that was the big downside of this cigar when it first came out was that it was you know twelve dollars when everything around it was eight. Well, now everything else is 11, and it's still 12 and a half. Well, the Padron 1964, it's still a 7. Yeah. It's still just as good as it gets. You know, um, I had the joy of I got done talking to my friends on Friday night, and my wife had been talking to two guys, and they were new to cigars. And she had told them about the podcast and all. Chris and Jay, if y'all are listening now, hello. Um and I walked them through the humidor. We took about a 30-minute humidor walk where we put on our masks, and we went in there, and I coached them through, okay, these are the cigars, but the first thing I told them when we walked in the humidor is, there's the Padrones. Everything else I'm going to show you tonight is playing for second place. That's the Padrones. That's going to be right every time. Yeah. And all with the possible accession of the Damaso, which they don't have in here anymore, um, everything else in this humidor is playing for second place against the Padrones. 
and all. And I had spent time walking with them and talking to them about the different tobaccos and different. I had a ball, had a yeah. blast, and they they were really appreciative and really enjoyed it and subscribed to the podcast as a as a part of it. And if you see me, if you happen to be in Crown Cigars and you see me. And you want to take a humidor walk? Come say hey. Absolutely. Come say hey. I mean, I'm easy to find. I mean, tonight <laughs> I'm the one wearing the Santa Claus outfit, but <laughs> but I don't wear that every night. <laughs> so sometimes I put on my elf gear. But anyway, so how do they get a hold of us, Trey? You can reach us on Facebook.com/slash the Cigarcast. We're on Instagram and Twitter at the Cigarcast, and you can get us via email at info at the Cigarcast.com. Well, thanks everybody for listening this week. Until next week, have a great cigar and think well of us. Mm-hmm.